1: from Valley Bible Church in Hercules this is truth for today with pastor Phil Howard repent or else that's next on today's broadcast sadly in our society we have negotiated with sin we've parlayed with it Hence we no longer call it sin, we call it struggling or struggles. Which takes away the need to repent, doesn't it? And see that is what we're looking at today in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 verses 5 through 16. Pastor Phil Howard points us in that direction with a message he's called repent or else. And really that is the only call of scripture, to repent, turn away from our sin. And that's what Paul is dealing with here in the passage before us. Join us. Here's Pastor Phil with today's broadcast.
2: I bowed down and brought very low. All day long I go about mourning. My back is filled with pain. There's no health in my body. I am feeble, utterly crushed. I groan in anguish of heart. Then he says in Psalm 51, I've lost the joy of my salvation I'm living daily in the fear that you may take your spirit from me like you did Saul. Because I watch as demons took over where God's presence used to minister to Saul. Only demons visited him. So bad that when he gets ready to go to battle, he goes to the witch of Endor and says, Bring up Samuel. I can't get a word from God anymore. God's quit talking to me. And she conjures up Samuel. And Samuel comes up before him and says, you're going to die on the battlefield tomorrow, Saul, because you wouldn't obey God. And he brought him pain, he brought him death, and he saw all of his boys killed, including Jonathan on the day of battle, the first great mighty king of Israel, killed and consulted a witch medium to find out what his destiny would be. Was he saved or not? I don't know. Did he ever repent? I never hear about it. Can you have sorrow that never leads to repentance? Judas went out and he said he wept bitterly. He had remorse, but he never had repentance. I've seen people, when I've preached to, I've seen people I've counseled, we went through the Kleenex, they cried, they cried. I remember trying to talk a woman out of an adulterous affair. And kept talking to her, kept talking to her. She wept, she wept. I kept handing the Kleenex, and she refused to leave the guy, a drunken man, and left the family. The tears and the emotion and the remorse never did change her direction. But I know another man named Peter went out. He wept, but after he got through weeping, he joined back with the disciples, and he said, well... At least I know he was Messiah. He'll never use me again. Let's go to Galilee. Let's go fishing. And of all things, in the midst of his sorrow, Jesus shows up and said, do you love me? I know you fail me. But do you think you can leave these nets and follow me? He said, I prayed for you, Peter. That's why you're not lost. I told you you were going to fall, and I told you I was going to uh, let you fall because pride always destroys a man. So he said, I'm going to restore you. Godly sorrow. I begin to write down uh, things I, I know of people. Uh, I think of a, a, a prodigal in the story. Is it not amazing? The boy never thinks of home. Never think, He never gets homesick. He never thinks of his dad as long as he had the money, had the women, and could eat whatever he wanted. And all of a sudden, he's in a Gentile country. He's out where they actually raise hogs. And a famine hits the land. And of all things, a good Jewish boy is eating with the hogs. And all of a sudden he remembered dad. What a kind man dad was. Instead of asking for the elders to kill him. When he asked for his inheritance. He just gave it to him. I keep asking of the backslider. And the one that's quit church. And quit God. and Just out there. Out there. Has the famine ever hit your life yet? Have you bottomed out? Have you bottomed out? I know a brother that told me many keep going on in their sin because they've never repented. They only say they're sorry, but they won't change. And he shared his own story of pain and the hounds of heaven tracking him down. taking the fun out of sin and saying I must, I must repent I must change I think about Ledesma there that he had this praying wife still in lots of trouble until they scrape him up from a highway one night and we wonder if he's going to live his wife keeps praying, this church prays Dino's with us, alive by the grace of God. God said, "I want to give you enough pain and enough sorrow. Will you listen to me now? I spared your life to get you." Years ago, I heard Jay Vernon McGee tell the story. Do the best I can to recapitulate it. He told about a uh, a preacher in Texas that uh, up around Amarillo. A lot of cowboys there. W.A. Criswell grew up in Amarillo and cattlemen. And there was a, a a tough rancher. Tough. Godless man, but had a Christian wife and twin girls. And those girls were the apple of his eye. He was very rude to that pastor. The pastor would go there sometime to see the wife, call on the children, usually treated rudely by this rancher, didn't want anything to do with God, don't want to talk to preacher, you know, I want money, I want to make money off my cattle, don't bother me, give me some more beech nut and give me some money. I'm not interested in religion. One day in his old pickup, he heard news come on that the local school where his girls went had caught fire and there were casualties He drives to that school, and believe it or not, the twins perished. And uh, that preacher said, this is one home visit I never wanted to make. I didn't want to meet this uh, rude, non-religious man in such a tragedy. He went to the home. The wife greeted the preacher The rancher guy was in a a den, couldn't talk. Preacher went in there, sat down for a long time. Nothing was said, nothing was said. Finally, this old rancher broke down and he said, you know, preacher, I know that God's been on my trail for years and I just kept pushing him away, pushing him away. I never knew he wanted me this bad. I never knew he wanted me this bad. I I just never thought he would take my girls to get my attention. Accepted Christ that day and has gone to heaven. What will it take for you to listen to God? Uh, How much sorrow do you want? It's kind of interesting that this repentance is not just for an unsaved man to come to Christ. Jesus said eight times in Revelation, "Uh, Ephesus, you've lost your first love, and if you don't get it back, I'm going to remove the church. He's talking to us. Have we lost our first love? Is there anything about valley we need to repent about? Are we doing anything in this church that's grieving the Spirit of God? Oh, we all pray for revival. The elders, when we pray on Saturday night, we're always praying for revival. I wonder if repentance comes first. Do you ever repent of your sins, of your idols, of your secret attitudes, your ungodly thinking, uh, whatever? Individually, is there a corporate attitude in this church that God says, you're on the verge of being closed Unless you think like I think. Oh, you can't get that way. This is 90 AD. This is God the Son, not a church consultant. I will close you. Sardis, you're tolerating the teachings of Balaam. If you don't take care of that and snuff out that doctrine, I will remove you unless you repent. Thyatira, you're allowing Jezebel to tear up the church. She's seducing my servants. They're involved in immorality. And you're looking the other way. You're winking the other way. Because we don't do any church discipline. That's barbaric. Nobody does that and grows, you know. You can't discipline people and have a church grow. If you don't remove her, I'm going to remove you. Laodicea? You tell me you don't need a thing I've got to offer because you're already well healed. you got plenty of money. You can see you've got your own bank account. Well, you're broke. You're naked before me, and I'm about to spew you out of my mouth because you become so lukewarm. You're a sickening church. And unless you repent and get your zeal for God back, I'm going to remove the lampstand And friend, I've visited Turkey. I've visited Asia Minor. There's no church in Ephesus. There's no church in Thyatira. There's no church in Sardis. They've all been removed. You know, churches all over this country are closing. They're always closing. And we might be next. No, no, this church won't exist because we got a building. We're selling buildings all the time. What makes a church is the people in it. Are they doing what Christ wants? Is Christ's agenda being done in this church? Is his priorities our priorities? Because you can get to, pretty soon you got this club, you got this meeting, we got this, you got this potluck, you got that. Is there anything down there that Jesus died to get done? Is there anything down there Jesus authorized? I just come to church to see if they're doing it the way I like it. They didn't sing anything I like. No, you want us to act like we ought to sing the first song you ever heard. You've been saved. You've been saved only 50 years. They do write new songs. But we get that inflexibility. Everything I want is the absolute. Everything God wants is what's absolute. Taste change. taste change. It's what God wants. Does God care if we sit on pews or theater seats? David tried to get theater seats. I try to save us money, so we're on pews. And man, we gotta move you people over. It makes me sick to look all wait, I want you in. Because I want faces, not spaces. I don't want to be spaced out in church. (laughs) He said, Godly sorrow leads to repentance. Have you ever um, repented? He told the churches they better repent. When John the Baptist started his ministry, he said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. When Jesus started preaching, he said in Mark 1 repent and believe the gospel. So they went right together, repent and believe the gospel. Now, what's amazing, where I went to school, they don't believe that you should have to repent because the gospel of John that tells you how to be saved never used the word repentance one time. It's only the word believe. First John, repentance is not found. Believe. So, the two sides of saving faith is I repent, I change my mind about my sin and the direction I was going, and I put faith in the Lord Jesus. One's negative. I turn on what I was doing and what I was to embrace the Lord Jesus. They're both going together. They both go together. Repentance in the book of Acts. He said in Acts 20, 21, I preach to the Gentiles repentance towards God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what does it mean to repent? Basically, it meant afterthought. noia, After noose. I'm But it felt to, it had an emotional aspect. Feel remorse. Uh, I, I regret what I did. It was used of uh, changing my opinion. And so it had that, it had a volitional uh, idea. It meant, I am sorry, I've done wrong. It's not sorrow without change, like Judas, but neither is it deep feeling or change without going through the emotional remorse. How could I have done this against God? How could I have rejected Christ so long? I can imagine David, imagine, he said, my sin is ever before me. I don't know about you. I, I, I don't know if it, the rest of David's life he thought of that night. I don't know if the rest of his life he f- might have thought of what it felt like for Joab to put Uriah right in a key spot in the city to be, have a stone thrown on him and killed. David rehearsed it, I'm sure, a thousand times. The sorrow led to a repentant man. Repentance is what we do when we forsake sin and we cling to Christ. I'm repenting of that. I, in faith, embrace Christ. He said it results in salvation. Results in salvation. Now, what does that mean? Was he writing to save people when he said, I wrote you a sorrowful letter. Was he writing to the saved or the unsaved? Eh? Yeah. So should you ever ask a believer to repent? Yeah. 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 Maybe you're one of these people I haven't changed my mind in thirty years and I'm proud of it. It's like the guy that said guy said, Do you ever tell your wife you love her? And he said, Yeah, I said that thirty years ago. It stands good until I revoke it. it. Reminds me of that guy that took his wife to the counselor, and she's all down. The marriage not doing good, and the counselor talks to him. You ought to do this. You ought to do that. Finally, the counselor goes around and kisses her. She lights up, and the husband said, what in the world did you do to her? He said, well, I, I, I kissed her. You saw it. And the guy said, wow. And the counselor said, she needs something like that at least three times a week. He said, man, I could only bring her in once a week. You know, uh, just clueless, clueless. Uh, That salvation here is initially when we were saved, we repented and believed. But repentance is like confession. It goes on all of our life. If you're growing, I'm changing my mind. I'm changing my view. I'm changing my attitude. I, I'm che- Let me ask. Is God changing you? Is God changing you? I know you're trying to change me. You're trying to change her. Trying to change him. Is God changing you? It was so refreshing when my fi- wife finally apologized. It was like biting nails for her. Because she could never be wrong. She thought she was wrong when she married me. But, see, I I apologize all the time because I know I'm a big sinner. I apologize ten times more. Guess what? I need to ten times more. So that's not a virtue. Not a virtue. But it was very hard for her to ever say, I'm wrong. And when she did, I usually recorded it. Does anyone know what I'm saying? (laughs) Go ahead, Ben. Raise your hand if you live with Miss Perfect. You know, and I I, I know people like this That is, man, how many times I've had to change my mind about people, situations, and about me. I got into a uh, wrong attitude years ago. There was a person that was slandering me, gossiping, and this. And I just learned about, in First John 5, the sin unto death. And I decided I knew what it meant kill her, Lord. And I did a few times. I said, Lord, she's touching your anointed, me. Kill her in Jesus' name. And she's a believer. You don't know how close some of you came to being in that prayer. Let me tell you. She knows. And friend, she was there. That prayer request got crumbled up some way getting to heaven. I don't know, that was still when we were doing IBM cards. It got crumbled up, and the next thing I know, I am sick. Oh, you think I've been, you think he's judging me again because I'm just getting over the flu. No, that's normal. That's, that, that's worldly. No, I, I got so bad, I thought I was having a nervous breakdown. Uh, I couldn't thank Carly. Graduation was coming. Uh, I had to have my wife and friend put the diplomas together, and I'm the dean. I should have been there. I I could not function. I'm going to the doctor. I'm telling Carolyn, I'm losing my mind. I am not serious. I'm I'm not making. At night, I would sleep with a Bible on my head. (laughs) And I'd say, but you have given us not the spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. I claim it in Jesus' name while I'm going insane. <laughs> she knows. I, I'm making this up because uh, God says, I want to bring some godly sorrow in your life. You don't get permission to think that way about a brother or sister. Who do you think you are asking me to kill someone in Jesus' name? I said, well, it'd feel good for right now get her off my neck that's why I'm your pastor I'm the biggest sinner in the place well you nearly killed me I had to repent and he saved me and she's a wonderful gal I just got the wrong attitude I can't believe it I was wrong I was wrong and she's still breathing and kicking thank God he doesn't answer every prayer We better stand. I just want you to know, God, if you're his child, and if he's in the process of making you his child, he wants you just to answer his voice, but if you want pain, he could arrange it. He's plenty capable. Does it sound like a threat? It's just an awesome thing to fall in the hands of the living God. You ought to come while he calls, come while he beseeches, come while he says, come take my yoke."
1: And you're listening to Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard the ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. As we close out our broadcast today, we would invite you to contact us. Let us know how the program encourages you in Christ and how this program is being used by you on a daily basis. Are we just a normal part of your radio listening? Do you tap into our resources available at our website? Have you visited our church? These are things we would love to hear from you. Take a moment, call or write to us today. Our phone number is 855-833-9864. Again, you can reach us at 855-833-9864. You're also welcome to visit our website, truthfortodayradio.org. Take advantage of the resource materials I mentioned a moment ago. We have several. Again, truthfortodayradio.org. You'll also find information about Valley Bible Church right there as well, who we are, what we believe, worship times, services, and directions to the church. We'd love to have you join us, especially if you're not involved in a church at this time. Again, that's truthfortodayradio.org. If you're writing to us, our address is 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278 hercules california the zip code is 94547 and then as we conclude our time together today we would also invite you to partner with us this radio broadcast and the many resources that accompany it are available as you partner with us as you link arms with us financially and prayerfully no gift is too small no gift is too large and you can do a one-time gift or make monthly pledges No matter, we'd love to have you be a partner with us as we continue to minister the gospel of Christ to the Bay Area and beyond. So contact us today. Our phone number is 855-833-9864. And you can also donate online at truthfortodayradio.org. That's truthfortodayradio.org. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. We look forward to seeing you next time we get together for another broadcast of Truth For Today.